that is the rain and not the air. So if you're uh, freezing, uh, it's, it's the air. That's not the air you're hearing. That's the rain. And um, if the Lord gets louder than I do, we'll let Him have the floor, for sure. Um, I want to ask you to open your Bibles today to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. As you find your place there, I want to share a report with you. We have uh, designated today as being the day that we would give our final report on our Acts 1-8 offering. Our Acts 1-8 offering, for those that are new to Watkinsville, is a once-a-year emphasis for us where we give to uh, carry out the sharing of the gospel, fulfilling the Great Commission locally, nationally, and globally. It's a special offering that we receive on top of our regular giving from week to week to week. We give to our Acts 1-8 offering in December, January, and February. Uh, we uh, take a few days in March to allow that to continue to come through and settle out and then try around the end of March to give a report of what we've given. The Acts 1-8 offering is divided up in three areas. Half of that Acts 1-8 offering goes to what we have traditionally called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. Half of that offering goes to support the 4,500 missionaries, their livelihood of being different places of the world around the globe. A fourth of the offering goes to the North American Mission Board, and it goes to support 3,500 missionaries their salaries, their lives as they live in different parts of North America. And then a fourth of the offering, the last fourth of the offering, goes to support hands-on missions that we do as a church. When we go short-term, mid-term, long-term, we're involved in disaster relief or church planning projects, uh, we use a fourth of that offering to help offset some cost of those who go out of our church body as well as some projects as needs arise uh, for those uh, things that we're involved with um, different parts of our nation. Um, we um, are partnered in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions and the North American Mission Board with 40,000 plus Southern Baptist churches and all of that goes into uh, goes together to help those missionaries stay on the field without having to come home to raise their support. Last year, our church family gave to the Acts 1-8 offering $249,000, just over $249,000. Our goal was two twenty-five, dollars and it was the largest uh, Acts 1-8 offering in the history of our church. And our, um, this year, we uh, didn't set an, a huge number goal but we set an individual goal and I ask you to consider in your giving giving at least $157 the reason for that being that 157,690 people are believed to die daily without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and we said if we could 
Just think about our gift at $157. It would mark in our hearts and minds what the need is, what the urgency is. And many of you gave uh, $157. Many of you gave multiples of that. Some of you gave less than that, but just in obedience to the Lord gave. And uh, today I want to share with you the total of what our giving was this year in Acts 1-8. Amen. Right there. <laughs> I'm going to let you take that away, and I'm going to ask you to put it up there again. Now put it back. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. We've never given like that before, and hallelujah, praise the Lord, uh, to just see that kind of giving take place and to imagine what's going to happen in the days ahead. And I want us to just pause right now and give the Lord thanks. And Lord Jesus, you have been so good to us. You gave your life for us so that we could take the news of you to the world. Personally, we're blessed. Eternally, we're blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for living and dying and rising again. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be a part of a church family where all around us we sit among people that are generously giving in a way to see the good news spread to the world. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of giving that goes beyond anything we could imagine. Father, we pray that these gifts would be multiplied by the power of your Spirit. Go further than might be expected to reach more than might be expected. We pray, Father, that we could see this number of 157,690 change. We could see that come down. We could see more and more people saved. The gospel would advance. Lives would be changed. Nations would be reached, every tongue and tribe. Lord, I pray for those that have already answered the call to go in North America and to the world, that they would be encouraged as reports like this keep coming in. Lord, I pray that you would call out from among us more to go. Lord, I pray that as individuals see a church family supporting and praying giving sacrificially they'd be encouraged that they would be uh, supported and encouraged and cared for as they go well thank you for just the chance to be in on fulfilling the great commission and we live for the day where that will be true where every nation every tongue and tribe will gather around your throne and worship you, King Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Can you imagine uh, you're a senior in high school? Some of you perhaps are. Uh, imagine those days that you're going to be a senior or remember back when you were a senior in high school and it was my assignment to stand before you here at the end of March, your senior year in high school, and try to convince you of the importance of investing in your retirement. 
you might think to yourself, one, I, I don't think I want that assignment. Or you might think if you were a senior in high school, you would think to yourself, you want to talk to me about my retirement? I don't even have my first job yet. I've got all this stuff coming. I've got spring break. I've got graduation. I've got my first summer out of high school. I'm looking forward to next fall. And you want to talk to me about taking care of my retirement. When you come to Matthew chapter 23, chapter 24, chapter 25, I, I get that feel that maybe the disciples of Jesus Christ felt like that senior in high school. Jesus wasn't talking to the disciples about his retirement or their retirement but he was talking to them about something that might seem to them way down the road a lot of things still to come a lot of things still to happen a lot of things that they couldn't make sense of but yet he wanted to talk about this and what was it that Jesus wanted to talk about on what is likely Tuesday of the last week of Jesus' life on earth, we find Jesus in chapter 23, chapter 24, and chapter 25 speaking about his return, talking about the end of time on earth, talking about the end of the ages, talking about the time where he would come and rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords. He had told them up until this point that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would be arrested, that he would be flogged, that he would die, even that he would rise again. And in the midst of all of those things happening in this last week of his life, he takes a day on this week to talk about something Beyond his resurrection, how could he talk about his return to earth when he had not left the first time? Jesus again reveals to us that he knew exactly who he was, exactly why he had come, exactly what was ahead, and exactly what it would look like. When he was finished. Don't miss his sovereignty. Don't miss his authority. Don't miss his divinity. Even in a week where we're seeing. A lot of his humanity. He would die. He would be buried. He would rise again. He would ascend to heaven. But he lets us in on these days. That there is a need to prepare. For his return. And I want us to think together about that for just a moment. I want us to think together about his return. And really the big question is, will we, will we be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ? No doubt in our mind we would be thinking, we're getting close to Easter. We're getting close to celebrating the resurrection. It must be that if Jesus would talk about it now, that it must be incredibly important for us to be prepared for the future and his future return. 
Look in chapter 23. In chapter 23, you have what is often identified as the seven woes. Seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees represented the the religion of the day for the Jewish people. They were the teachers. They were those that were sincere. They were serious. They, they, They were very committed to what they were doing. But what Jesus does when he looks at those Pharisees and those scribes is that he pronounces woes, W-O-E-S. The word woe is a a way of describing judgment. It is a way of describing uh, destruction. It was him saying what you are doing now is not going to turn out well for you. There is woe coming for you. There is judgment coming for you. There is great difficulty coming for you look at these verses and just listen to how he uh, describes what's going on with the pharisees and the scribes it says in verse one then jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples the scribes and the pharisees sit on moses seat in a way that he's saying they have a place of authority they have a teaching place this is the seat where you should be finding out what is real and true about God and having a relationship with God. He says in verse 3, so, so do and observe whatever they tell you. Hear what he says. Do and observe whatever they tell you. In other words, what they say is right. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them without, with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast and the, be- and the best seats in the synagogues. And Greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus is right into the middle of who the Pharisees were preaching but not practicing saying things but not observing things and what he lays out here for the Pharisees and the scribes before the disciples and the crowds listening was a judgment on hypocrisy he saves his harshest words his most painful descriptions for those that would preach one thing and practice another thing he moves beyond just what you might hear with words and he says look at the heart and he calls attention to the fact of what they want to be called how they want to be seen how they want to be greeted where they want to sit how they want to be viewed by others how they sought to have the approval of man without having the approval of God 
and then he, he begins to pronounce these woes. And I know often we think of Jesus as being very compassionate. We think of Jesus as being, you, you might have, well, just, just listen. And, and let's be clear that this is the Jesus that we've been talking about from Matthew chapter 1, verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Verse 16, woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears... By the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it and by everything on it and Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we have lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets, Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers. Verse 33, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town so that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Those are heavy words. And certainly a lot of their cultural conditions are involved in those verses, the conversations about the temple, the altar, swearing about different offerings. As we look at this, what rises to the top in all of these 39 verses that I just read before us was that the Pharisees were preaching one thing and practicing another. Their motives and their heart were wicked and self-centered. He makes the clear illustration that you're clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. When we think about chapter 23, it's a call for us and our application for our life today is to check our heart, check our motives, check what we're doing and what we're saying to consider if we call ourselves Christian and followers of Jesus Christ are we pursuing that lifestyle are we committed to that are we going after Christ are we following Jesus I want to talk to you this morning as I work through these chapters about being prepared for the return of Christ Jesus was about to leave this earth he rebukes the Pharisees, he rebukes the scribes, and in turn he rebukes us today if there's any hypocrisy in our life, if we're fake in some way, if we're just putting on a show in some way, if we're just looking for outward approval or outward recognition or outward popularity without having our inside right with Christ. Chapter 24. When you begin to work through chapter 24, Jesus moves from rebuking the Pharisees and their hypocritical ways to speaking about the end of the age. Look at verse 1, chapter 24. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Imagine they look at the temple, beautiful in its splendor, and Jesus, just like he had predicted that he would go to Jerusalem and be arrested and be crucified and rise again, he also in this moment before that happens predicts that the very stones of the temple will be demolished, destroyed. There won't be one left standing on the other. Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them. When he begins to speak here, it's in, in the book of Matthew, it's identified as the fifth discourse. It's this fifth major block of teaching that Jesus does. This is often referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And here on the Mount of Olives, he begins to teach them privately about the end of the age, about his coming. Look in verse 4 and listen to how Jesus describes his coming. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. 
let me just stop here and say is that I read through these verses the question that we need to be answering for our lives today is this am I prepared for his return am I prepared for his return it starts with this teaching to the Pharisees and them living a life of hypocrisy he moves on to give some details about his return and the end of the age the call here being am I prepared for that verse 5 for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawless will be increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of the prof spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will, call, gather, they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. 
For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you, must, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on day on a day when he does not expect him at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth chapter 25 gives a couple of parables that are meant to apply to being ready for the return of Christ the first one is a parable of ten virgins five who have oil with them five who don't they're when the bridegroom comes, the midnight cry, the parable is told, taking a picture of their cultural wedding to, to show that some were ready and some were not. And those who were not ready wanted to borrow from those who were ready. And they responded truly. They, they, they responded in verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I want to stop here with the reading, and I want to make some application to what it looks like to be prepared. What we have in chapter 23, 24, and 25 are people spend lots and lots and lots of hours trying to figure out what these signs are, what these moments are, where it fits in time. And it often seems for the purposes of figuring out the very day or year that Jesus might return. I want to offer you today that the purpose for these verses are not meant for us to figure out the day and the hour that Jesus will return. They are meant for the purpose of preparing our hearts and our lives whenever the hour or the day comes of his return. You see the difference? The difference is, is that we start the preparation now. We start the preparation today. We find ourselves prepared for his return. Like a senior 
sitting in high school and we're talking about retirement. So when's that going to be? So I don't know when that's going to be, but you need to start preparing now. And Jesus is saying to them, there will be some signs, there will be some signals, there will be some signs and signals that you don't need to be concerned about, you don't need to be deceived by. Let me give you three ways we can find ourselves prepared. Number one, we need to be real. You need to be real. There's no way today for me to know as you sit around in this room in different spots on this room, I can't see your heart and you can't see my heart. The Lord Jesus saw the Pharisees. He knew their heart and the Spirit of God knows your heart and knows my heart and the the call of these verses is for us to abandon hypocrisy. If we're going to bear the name of Christian, then we would live the life of following Christ. If we're going to claim to be a follower of Christ, if we're going to claim to have heaven as our home, if we're going to claim to have our sins forgiven, then we live as Jesus lives through us. It is a call to get rid of hypocrisy. And I just stand before you this morning... I believe at a gracious time by our God that he would give us another opportunity this morning before he returns to rid our lives of hypocrisy, of rid our lives of living in one way but claiming to be someone else. You may have never heard of a cow named Husker. Several years ago in Texas, there was this steer in a steer show named Husker. And he won the Grand Champion Award in the steer show. He was taken to market. He sold for thousands of dollars. When he was processed in the market, what they found out is that Husker was a steer that had experienced the process of airing. Any agriculturalist in the room know what airing is? Airing is a process where you literally take a air pump and you inject a cow and you pump air into the cow between a lining of the skin and their muscle and it creates air pockets and then they feed the cow lots and lots of fatty foods and it causes the cow to puff out and fill out to look on the outside like a champion but when you process him and see what's on the inside, you find out he's full of air and fake. Jesus looks at the Pharisees. The Spirit of God would come to our heart today. And it, it's like he's saying to us, you can look right on the outside, but the God in heaven, the Spirit of God will know if we're real in the end be real he's coming again be ready for his return secondly be resolute be resolute when I read through these verses I would imagine that there are some even as I read these verses out loud that think I'm going to have as a parent some explaining to do when I get home today to my kids 
or you're going to have some questions today. You read through these verses. They're, they can be haunting verses. When we read verses like people fleeing and to get to the mountains, the hopes that you would not be nursing infants during these days, the, the, the picture that's given to us that is as we approach end times, as believers that are real, we must be resolute. That means to be solid, to be unwavering, to be locked in, to be determined. How can we be resolute? When we look to the certain return of Christ, chapter 24 shows us this. The words of Jesus shows us this. We're to not be deceived. Don't be deceived. He, he says many will come and they will say, hey, I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ. And he's saying, don't be deceived by that. Many will say, go out here and see him. Go out here and see him. Go out here and see him. It's happening over here. Let's go over here. Travel over here. Get over here. Jesus is saying, don't be deceived. He tells them also, don't be alarmed. Do you know that as our world grows harder, as the world grows darker, as society grows more sinful, one of the greatest testimonies that we have that Jesus is real and that we are real, that is in the midst of that tribulation, in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of those trials, is that we can live before the world with peace. We can live still with joy. We can still live with a resoluteness in our heart. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be alarmed. Don't be calloused. Notice he says in verse 12 of chapter 24, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Just check your heart today. Are you letting the darkness of sin in this world just cause you to grow cold toward the hearts of others, the needs of others, toward the world we live in? It's not for the believer. Don't be deceived. Don't be alarmed. Don't be callous. Don't be gullible. Listen, believers, don't be gullible. What do I mean? Don't be easily swayed. Don't be easily tricked into things here's here's what he's saying about his return in chapter 24 my return won't be something that you have to run over here to see or run over there to see or maybe a few people know about over here my return will be unmistakably obvious and wherever you are and whenever it is be real be resolute you will know that Jesus is returning. Can I just call your attention to, to one thing lastly, and that is we need to be ready. How can we be ready? Well, to, to be ready comes out in these two parables at the end, the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. He shows that these ten virgins five had their oil ready when the bridegroom came he's saying to them be smart be wise be prepared don't think you'll have time in the end to get ready prepare now in, ch in chapter 25 verse 14 he says he, he gives this picture of the talent you've heard people say I'm a five talent person or I'm a two talent person or I'm a one talent person 
The picture in this parable is that what Jesus had given to them, they used, they served with great diligence. They used what God had given them to be ready for his return. It's twice in this very parable where we have those phrases, well done, good and faithful servant, verse 21. And then in verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. When Jesus returns, will you be real? Will you be resolute until that day? Will you be ready? Will he find you serving? Will he find you wise, waiting on his return? Consider these questions. Is there a sin that needs to be confessed for you to be ready? Is there a stronghold that needs to be broken for you to be prepared? Is there a situation that needs to be resolved before his return? Is there a soul that needs to be saved before his return? Yesterday, I was in a grocery store, and I just I want to share this, and then we're going to close in prayer, and we'll go. And um, I was I was I was in a store, and as I waited in line, I looked and I saw this person who was going to be helping me at the checkout line. I'm just staring at him, just observing. They're just really different than me. I'm not saying, I don't know if I was normal and they were not, or if they were normal and I'm not. I'm just, we're just very, very different. And I was just observing that. And I had on this t-shirt that some of us wear around here, a black t-shirt, and on the front of it, it says, wholehearted. And I got my turn in line, and the person looked around and looked at me, and he looked at my chest and he looked back at, up at me and I was looking at his eyes and he goes, are you? I said, what? I said, are you? Are you just wearing it? I felt like a Pharisee. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to buy groceries here. I don't want to be called out. It was like just this moment in time, studying all week long, where the Lord was saying, if you're going to wear it, be it. I'm coming again. Are you ready? You can be ready today by starting with repentance. Lord Jesus. Forgive me. And just start right there. And just tell him, help me. Sin to confess. Stronghold to break. Situation to resolve. A soul to be saved. Father, I bow before you today and I pray in this room that every one of us would be ready. Start with me. 
I think you started hard yesterday with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me have a, can y'all listen just one second? I need to say this to this hour like no other, all right? We're two weeks away from Easter, all right? Y'all look around this room. Imagine what might happen in here on Easter. You may need to be at the 9.30 service. That'd be awesome. But if you could come to the 8 or the 11, we'll have child care at all three hours. Just think about that. It might help us spread out just a little bit on that Sunday. You're dismissed.